Okay, if you can bring up our introduction, ah, here we are, introduction slide. We invite everybody to turn to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew being the first book of the New Testament. And we do have a, a couple of weeks to cover this, Lord willing, this, this morning and next Sunday morning. And uh, for those familiar with the Bible, this... Uh, it's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. That's not a biblical phrase, but it's a way that it's uh, designated oftentimes because it is quite a lengthy discourse, and we'll be looking at that in a few minutes. There's a companion passage in Luke 6 that has much of the same material. So we're going to read a few verses. Um, we probably won't cover all today, but we trust to make some introductory remarks and uh, perhaps get into chapter 5, hopefully covering most of it. So we have some readers, and they are ready, I believe. I Where where are my readers? Okay, here we go. Okay. I'm reading in Matthew 5. 1 through 10. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And now continuing with verses 11 to 20. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for they so persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has, if, but if the salt lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all, to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Daleth and Daniel. Okay, so what we're going to do is consider this passage today. In this sense, the Sermon on the Mount is a proclamation of the king concerning the kingdom. In chapter number four, the Lord Jesus has presented and he said, the kingdom is at hand. We're going to be referring to what that kingdom is as we move along in our study. 
And ultimately, what we want to do throughout this whole lesson is apply this to ourselves. How do you do life? How do I do life? How is it that you conduct yourself? What are the principles that you follow? What is the authority structure that you are under? Because we're speaking of the kingdom. There is a kingdom and there is a king. And let's see if we can... uh, Learn as we go along. Now, I just want again. I want to make a few introductory. Ooh, didn't know it was so late, but we'll uh, we'll adjust. <clears throat> the this sermon on the mount shows how a person who is in right relationship with God should conduct his life. Now, uh, I say that because oftentimes what is done with this is well, it's a rule of life to somehow gain merit into heaven. But that's not what the Lord Jesus said, right? He said, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will not imit- You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So when we're speaking about the kingdom of heaven and what is covered in these chapters, this is, shows how a person who is already in a right relationship with God, and how is that? Well, they come, <clears throat> they're converted, right? We are not born ready for the kingdom of God. We are not born. In fact, we're going to find out what we were born as in a minute. But we must be converted first and then enter into the kingdom of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So overall, we can say of this that it summarizes the character and conduct expected of those who are his subjects. Right? It was meant for all past, present, and future who acknowledge Christ as king. But remember, it is not a guideline to somehow merit our way into heaven. Our dear brother, Billy Graham, uh, went to be with the Lord not long ago, I believe. But I was reading online of a conversation that he had with former President Harry Truman. And Mr. Truman seemed to indicate in his conversation with Mr. Graham that salvation consisted in practicing the Sermon on the Mount because there is some tremendously high qualities here that are mentioned in the verses that we've read. He indicated, Mr. Truman did, this is how, how old Billy Graham was, right? He's been along, uh, around since this long. But he in, indicated that that's the way he lived. He said, I tried to live by the Sermon on the Mount and the Golden Rule. Billy Graham turns to Mr. Truman and he says it will take more than that, Mr. President. And we ex- we present that to you this morning, that it will certainly take more than that because we can never practice these things, imitate Christ without the Spirit of God, and in order to do that, we must be born again. Now, let's go to the... I want to go one more slide here, but it's not advancing. Help me out there. Well, if it doesn't go, you try to fix that and and gain some help. I just want to say, uh, there we go. There are three discourses in Matthew, three communications by the Lord Jesus. First, there's a discourse on precept. 
And that's what we're going to be considering in chapter 5 through 7. There's a discourse on parables later. Many of us are familiar with chapter 13 and the parabolic teaching that the Lord Jesus brings there. Likeness or similes, that kind of thing. And then a discourse on prophecy, the future. But this first major discourse, very important. The king, the Lord Jesus Christ, he outlines the spirit, the uh, moral and spiritual constitution of the kingdom. And again, we're going to try to define that as we move along. What is the kingdom? Then, back then, now, in our present day, and in the future, millennial reign of Christ. What is that? Well, let's just stop right there and say there is a time coming, the Bible says, when the Lord Jesus will reign as king in Jerusalem, a literal 1,000 years. That is what the scripture teaches. Now, it's not right now. There are some Christian groups that claim we're in the kingdom now. That is not so. But that is a coming time when he will rule with a rod of iron and wonder of wonders. Those who know him as Savior will reign with him. But there is a present sense in which we see the kingdom of God right now within the heart and life of every believer in the Lord Jesus. So we can say about this Sermon on the Mount that at all times, the people of God submit themselves to a heavenly rule higher than any rule on earth. Now, I just want to say, too, that this teaching is astonishing. It opens up in in chapter number five to say this. That when he opened his mouth, he taught them. And then if we were to look at the last of the Sermon on the Mount, toward the very end, it says, When Jesus ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority. So the teaching of the Lord Jesus in chapter 5, 6, and 7 is quite astonishing, right? It gripped it. It was almost as if their jaw dropped. They had never heard such a teaching before because what they were used to was a a, a mere externalism. Right. You practice the law. You do this. You do this. You do this. But there was no heart value. There was no heart attention. Now, before we actually go into it, I just want since we're speaking about the kingdom. I want to consider Uh, a quite a disturbing or distressing kind of matter that I think it's well for me and all of us to consider. Which kingdom do I belong? Well, here's the thing. Let's consider this for a minute. Since we're speaking about the kingdom, we have to challenge ourselves to what kingdom do we belong. Later on, in, in, the, in the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord Jesus is speaking about Satan and his kingdom. So we have this kingdom of Satan, this kingdom of darkness, and we have the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Now, again, this may come as, a, as astonishing to all of us. It, it, and the more I think about it, it grips me. The Bible presents every Individual, every human being as either being children of God, John, first John chapter three, or children of the devil. And you might stop and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm very moral. I'm upright. I'm a good person. I pay my bills. I don't get traffic tickets. I, 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 right? 
And we, 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 we have all of these lists like the, the Pharisee, right? He stood and prayed in the temple. I thank God that I'm not like this tax collector here. And he looked down on him. But the fact is that all of us, every single individual is seen as a child of God or a child of the devil. And if you want proof for that, we don't have time completely to look at all of it. But we can say a few things that all of us have different operating systems, right? Uh, we can use the analogy of the phones that we carry, right? They, they have multiple operating systems. These things do. But when it comes to the human heart, the human being, it's only two. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan. When we were born into this world, the Bible, before we were, before I was saved, let me just use myself as an example. I was walking according to the course of this world. According to what? The Satan, the prince of the power of the air. That's what I was doing. I was walking according to the course of this world. The Bible clearly presents that Satan has his demons, he has his doctrines, he has his deceptions. And they're all delivered by his ministers, oftentimes in church platforms, oftentimes in church platforms is where Satan does his work. You know, we rightly fear in a great sense the activity that that uh, the the, uh, various religion carries on in our world. They call it uh, 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 it's terrorism, right? They will uh, uh, purposely uh, suicide bombers, they call them, right? And they will terrorize villages and people and, and places and so forth. And that's an awful thing. But, you know, the Bible presents that something worse than terrorists is those that are errorists, those that do that mislead the people of God and lead them down a, a, a dark path right into hell. You see, it is possible for people to sit in a congregation, and this is very distressing when you think about it, that we sit and take it in all the while we have never transferred from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. But we're going on in a religious kind of activity. Listen, do you know what the Lord Jesus looked at religious people in in John chapter 8? He looked at him and said, you are of your father, the devil. That was serious talk. These were religious people upstanding in their community. John chapter eight, you're of your father, the devil. And you say, well, wait a minute. Oh, I'm not that. I don't, I'm not in the occult. I don't do any of that. Well, again, the Bible presents herein is, the, you know, the children of God and the children of the devil. And I want to say that the one we're speaking about, the king, is the one that came to undo the works of the devil. He came to undo the works of the devil. The works of the devil are exceeding broad. They start all the way in our first history, the very beginning of human history in the, in the Garden of Eden, when Satan, as a, as a serpent, uh, came and he, and he induced, or he uh, tempted that woman. And, and the woman gave to the man, and the Bible says, by one man sin entered into the world. So from that time, the works of the devil have just flooded our society. We heard this morning how we can get as human beings. We're entrapped. We're in bondage to certain sins. That's why they call them vices, because they get us in these things. We can't get out. How do I release myself from this? Well, I tell you, how you release, get released from that is what we were just contemplating this morning, the person of Jesus Christ. He makes the rebel a priest and a king, right? By 
by by we can see the love of God when I, a rebel sinner, can look by faith to the cross and see because that sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. God the just is satisfied to look on Christ and pardon me. It's a wonderful thing to be freed from the bondage of sin, to have it lifted from off us. We sometimes sing conscience. Now, no more condemns us for his own most precious blood. Once for all has washed and cleansed us, cleansed us in the eyes of God. And so we want to recognize before we actually start, we've got a few minutes here to start on chapter five. But what kingdom do I belong to? Don't think because we have the good morals and we're respectable in our community. Have you been born again? Have I been born again? Well, I thank God many of you here today, along with myself, have been born again by the Spirit of God. We've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light. There's been a great transfer, transferred from the power of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. When I was born, I was in Adam. But when I became a believer, now I'm in Christ, no longer in Adam. Right? In Adam, all die. In Christ, all shall be made alive. It's a wonderful thing. You know, to be born into the family of God. I wasn't naturally born into the family of God, and neither were you. Right? We just, a couple of weeks ago, we had the, 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 the big wedding that flooded the, uh, 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 the TV and the, te- and the radio and all these things. Right? The, 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 the nice lady wasn't born into royalty, right? But the wonderful thing is you and I, by believing on Christ, can be born into this royal family. <laughs> into the family of uh, the king eternal under the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords. I'm a child of the king. Are you? Are you? That's a serious matter to consider. Where, what kingdom do I belong to? And again, very distressing. It just takes the, it, 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 we, I, I just want to point out one more thing before we go. That You know, oftentimes in life, we're, we're born, you know, we're born with certain uh, influences in our life, in our family. But the Bible makes it clear if I'm going to be redeemed, it's not it's with uh, not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. It says that we were redeemed from our vain conversation or our aimless conduct uh, or the empty way of life. In other words, I was born into a family. And, and into a situation where maybe I was taught a certain way. And I have to come to grips with what kingdom is that part of? Is it an empty way of life? Empty, ritual, religious life that offers nothing? No relationship with God? Can I tell you that most religions are like that? We're born into them and it's an empty, aimless way of life whereby we must be redeemed out. And I tell you, by the grace of God, many of you are here this morning are redeemed by his precious blood. Now, we're going to. So what kingdom do I belong? How do you do life is the question that we want to consider. Uh, One more comment about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Uh, essentially the same. There's two different phrases, and I know that the, the Spirit of God must have his full reasons for why he actually uh, 
used a different terminology, but kingdom of heaven is only mentioned in Matthew, kingdom of God in the other gospels. And uh, it does seem to be very synonymous as a number of verses will show they're used interchangeably. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. Now, what we'd like to do is just look at it just for a few minutes here about the Beatitudes. That's the first several verses of chapter number five. Commonly, again, the word Beatitude is not in the Bible, uh, but it, 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 it takes on that name because of this. The, uh, the word blessed or blessed as sometimes we pronounce it, blessed, is a, uh, in the original Greek word that means happy. Happy. And, and what we find out here is happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are they that mourn. It's the exact opposite of what we would think. We don't, we don't naturally function that way. But we're going to look at it in a little, uh, a little bit of detail as, as we move along in the next few minutes. So think about this blessed, the happy, the, 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 uh, the happiness that can be found in, in, uh, these principles that the Lord puts forward. In fact, this word blessed is translated happy. If you know these things, the Lord said in John chapter thing, chapter 13, Happy are you if you do them. So there's, we, we can find, according to the Lord Jesus, that there is a happiness, a contentment, a fulfillment that can be found in this present time with the future in view. Think, let's say that again. There is a happiness, a contentment that can be found in this present time today right now, with the future in view, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, uh, uh, for they shall be comforted. So we, we thank the Lord that by practicing these things, there is a contentment. God is called the blessed God or the happy God. Do you want to be like the Lord? I do. Do you want to be like him? I do. So we thank our God. He is called the blessed God, and we can be just like him as we put these things into practice. So what we have are the victories, overall, the victories of the Christ life, the verities of the realities of the Christ life, chapter six, the values of the Christ life. And then uh, let's leave that up here. Uh, what we'll look at is in just for a few minutes here, chapter number five, <clears throat> the victories of the Christ life. How do you do life? How do I do life? The B- apostle Paul says, the life that I now live, I, uh, I live by in the flesh or in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God. The, where, the very king that, that, that stated these principles is the life that I now live. I can live by them, right? The life that I now live. That faith means a reliance or a dependence. So the Christian life, the Christian life is a uh, life lived in continual dependence upon Christ by yielding to him and allowing Christ to live his life in me or in you. It's a wonderful thing because if I try to practice these things, let's just take the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. That is not natural. My natural inclination is not to, to have a have spiritual poverty. 
But my natural inclination is to celebrate myself in the presence of God, assert myself, and just lift myself up like the publican that we gave the example. I thank God that I'm not like him, you know. That's our natural bent, to lift ourselves, to exalt ourselves, to honor ourselves, not to be poor in spirit. But that's what the Lord Jesus said. The poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, it's not poor spirited or depressed or dejected. But it's poor in spirit, a spiritual poverty, the opposite of pride, the very opposite of pride, uh, uh, where, and where I should live. Not, uh, I'm, uh, I'm commending, uh, myself, not commending myself to God, but allowing Him to work in me. Now, it's, it's the opposite, in a sense, of verse number five, or they, I should say a contrast. Blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are the meek, right? In, in verse number three, the poor in spirit, there's an inward character known to God. That's what he sees, the spiritual aspect of our life. But in verse number five, there's the meek or the gentle, no assertion of self, right? Of, 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 of forwarding of self-interest. That's the outward demonstration of a disciple toward mankind. So we have the inward activity, the inward demonstration to God, uh, inward character in the poor in spirit. And then we have the uh, outward demonstration toward those that are around us. And that's the, the first of the Beatitudes. So we have a life of submission, verse number three, and then we have a life of satisfaction in verse number six. <clears throat> Watch this. Blessed or happy are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. There's, there's, there's genuine satisfaction. They shall be filled. It can't be found in anything of this world. I know I've told you before, but having grown up in the world of rock and roll, <clears throat> I remember the uh, wannabes that would sing, I can't get no satisfaction. And the world does not offer us satisfaction. It's poor English, but it expressed a wonderful thing. I can't get no satisfaction, but I try. But I try, and I try, and I wear myself out trying but blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts after you, you see. The bread of life. The Lord Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall what? Never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. It's a wonderful sense of satisfaction to, that, that's not found in this world. But it's found out of this world in a sense. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ our Lord. There's true satisfaction. Don't feed on the sorry substitutes for sustenance that the world has to offer. Yeah, we could, the Bible talks about the pleasures of sin for a season. Don't fall for it. <clears throat> Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We can uh, mention a number of verses in that regard, but we'll uh, save them. Then there's the sat, the, not only the submission, as we're poor in spirit, spiritual poverty, the satisfaction that could be found in the Lord Jesus, but the sanctification in verse number eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You say, wait a minute. The scripture even says, who can say I have made my heart pure before God? Well, I'm here to tell you that the same word of God presents uh, the privilege that every child of God has to have their heart purified by faith. That's the privilege of every human being. When God, you know, he doesn't need an x-ray machine to see in my heart. When he sees my heart, God sees my Savior and then he sees me. 
He doesn't need an x-ray machine. He looks right through the Lord Jesus and he sees that my heart has been purified by faith in the living God. So I can be pure in heart in that sense. But as I move along in my Christian experience, right, I, I, I want to see this attitude of sanctification, continual setting apart. Here's how the scripture puts us. Let us, 2 Corinthians 7, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Right? Perfecting holiness in the sight of God. It's a wonderful activity in this life to understand, to realize that I, when God sees me, he sees my Savior, I'm pure in heart. He, he has declared me righteous the moment I believe. But as I, as a child of God, he has declared me right. And now he gives me the privilege of participating in making me right. I make myself. I participate with what the Spirit of God is doing. And I set myself apart to be pure in heart. I sanctify myself. I cleanse myself from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. In other words, I don't voluntarily participate in what the world has to offer me. The world has to offer me a bunch of... Sin and wickedness and depravity. I don't need to participate in that. The pure in heart. Don't let, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The satisfaction that could be found, the sanctification in verse number eight, and then the suffering. We just spend two more minutes here. The suffering. This is not natural. You hit me, I strike you back. That's the way the world offers, uh, operates, right? Well, the Bible says that as believers, we have we now have the privilege of suffering for him. When he was reviled, he did not revile again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Look at what the verse says. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. They're, they're, they're persecuted for a principle righteousness, but they're also persecuted for a person. The Lord Jesus, right? How many times have you been in the office and you haven't laughed at the dirty joke that your your coworker has has picked up on? Ha 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 ha! Don't you think that's a good one? Ha 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 ha! You know, and everybody around is laughing. And what are you doing? Are you participating in it? Laughing along with him? You see, we can we can we can suck. Oh, what are you a goody two shoes? You don't laugh at my joke? Well, it's happened, right? And, and, and you, you can get called all kinds of names because you don't participate in the filthiness of this world, right? Blessed are they. Now, we, we don't we don't suffer like others in, in, in other lands that, that are, are, are literally suffering physically for the Lord Jesus. Bless God, we don't yet. I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming, you know, and a lot of these, a, a lot of the churches around us are going to empty out real quick because they were just following a man or whoever they were following. But I tell you, it's going to be coming a time when blessed are they which are persecuted for Christ's sake. Are you going to be one of them or, or just back out? Oh, I, 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 I never really believed that. I didn't. I didn't. I was just going along with the crowd. <laughs> no. Blessed are they which are persecuted. For righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Again, does my action, do I have an influence in my little locale? When I walk into the lunchroom, when I walk into the classroom, when I walk onto the tractor, whatever it may be, is my life an influence to the Lord Jesus? Listen, we've got to close with this. You, not only... Do we have the 
the all these things, the submission and satisfaction and suffering and so forth. But we have similitudes <laughs> in verse number 13 and through 15 through 16. You, if you know Christ the Savior, you, me, are the salt of the earth. Now watch what it says. Here's what the Lord Jesus says. You, not you can be, you are the salt of the earth. Now what is salt doing? It, it's to, it's to uh, create a thirst. It's to, it's to, uh, help in the attitude of, matter of corruption. You see? So if I'm going to be the salt of the earth, every child of God is called to be that. But we, as we were singing in our song, be salty or worthless. Now, if I were to poll the, the room this morning, poll Christian churches, how many of you want to be worthless salt? I don't think anybody would raise their hand or vote. Put me in, Lord. I want to be worthless salt to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men, says the Lord Jesus. That's not what I want to be. I want to be an influence. You want to be an influence. How do you do life? How do I do life? Do I have an influence, a Bible, a Christian, righteous influence on those that I'm functioning around? Do they know that I belong to the Savior? Do they know that I'm in the kingdom of God because of my behavior? How do you do life? How do I do life? You see. We'll take up the rest, Lord willing, in the next week. There's so much more that we could bring out and cover here. Even in chapter 5 that we didn't get to look at. But we just want to say that we must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And after that, you see, we have these principles that are presented by the king. And I can find true happiness, true contentment, true fulfillment as I, as I list, as I hear the preacher, the Lord Jesus, and as I practice these things. If not, the Bible talks about those that hear at the end of this section. And they're like a foolish man. That they don't practice what the Lord has brought forward. I have the choice. So how do I do life? How do you do life? I trust that the few thoughts on the Sermon on the Mount, just a few that we've shared this morning, will be of help to us. And that, that the first of all, that we must be born again and enter the kingdom of God. And once we're in the kingdom of God, to be able to live as a child of the king, to, 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 to function as a royal subject, to that blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, because one day I'm going to stand before him and I'm going to give an account for my life, the things that I've done in the body, whether good or bad. Now, this is not for salvation. This is for reward. We read about reward there. That reward, uh, their reward is in the kingdom of heaven, those that suffer. That, it's for those that know Christ first, but it, it, there's reward for suffering for Christ. But I'm going to give an account. You are too. Every individual, we must all appear, if you know Christ, before the judgment seat of Christ. So I trust in the, two, the few principles. How do you do life? We'll just be challenged by this morning. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, <clears throat> we're thankful for these lessons here. We thank, think especially of how the Lord warned about those that thought, they acted, as if they were in the kingdom of God. They read the scriptures. They did a lot of spiritual things, but they were never born again. And he could say to them, you are of your father, the devil. 
This is quite distressing, our Father, quite distressing. That upstanding, moral, righteous, self-righteous people, individuals, could be living a life, a lie, never having transferred from the kingdom of darkness, the power of darkness into the kingdom of your dear Son. Our Father, we pray that the words spoken this morning, the Holy Spirit of God will use to speak to our hearts, both as believers, we who know the Savior, and for those that don't, they might realize their need and turn from darkness to light and trust the Savior of sinners. In his name we pray, amen.